Today's episode of Azure Lunch is sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you are building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks, and you can get them at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. Tēnā koutou katoa, I'm Daniel Larson, I'm a Senior Technical Evangelist at Microsoft and I'm joined by Matt Simpson, also a Senior Technical Evangelist at Microsoft. We work for Microsoft but these opinions are our own of course and today we have a very special guest also from Microsoft. We're very, very happy to have uh, Vishesh. Hi Vishesh, how are you? Hey, hi Dan, hi Matt, how are you going? Very, very good. So Vishesh Oberoi, now a Program Manager on the... um, Conversational AI team, is that right? Yeah, so um, we work in a global team, and, and as part of that, my, my focus is to kind of help conversational AI as a platform, uh, you know, directly working with customers and also internal engineering teams to kind of help evolve the platform and, and, and get some real interesting use cases out there in the world. Awesome. But, you know, how many years ago now, I mean, we've known you for a few years, you started out as a Mark here at Microsoft. Tell us about that. What's a Mark? Well, uh, Mark, so, I mean, it's an, it's an acronym, of course, um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and it basically stands for Microsoft um, uh, Academy for College Hires, where, cool. in a sense, it's, it's, you know, graduates who are interested in, you know, working, working for Microsoft on some interesting different roles um, that are not very, you know, common across the, across the rest of the industry. This is a chance to really get some unique experience, and also, you know, Microsoft invests a ton uh, of resources by, you know, giving the right training to help accelerate your career as well and and you just get so much exposure um, and it's it's a big community as well um, I believe we hire like you know thousands of people across the world and we build a community around them as well and I've met people from you know from all parts of the world like you know if you talk about Dublin you talk yeah. about Singapore you talk about anywhere in the world and it's just been an amazing amazing experience I think all up oh, so I so always cool. recommend people to like join the program if whenever we're hiring that's right and we love our, our mark community and it's certainly been you know, now that we've got you on the podcast for Shish, um, finally, you know, I know we've taken a lot of jokes at your expense, Whoa. you know, a lot <laughs> over the years. But I just want to take this opportunity to say, we, I mean, I'm proud of you and your progress and what you've achieved. I think it's incredible. And now, you know, we can't talk too much about what you're doing, but there's, you know, you're going into a really big role and a really cool team. So congrats, mate. That is absolutely awesome. Yeah, no, well, awesome. Man. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Well, awesome. Awesome. Cool. So bots. Bots, yeah. So conversational AI. I mean, we've been talking about bots for a while. I mean, you know, we've released um, the framework way back when, a couple of years back now. Um, but we recently just pushed another version, so we're onto V4 now. So there's obviously been some big investment in, in that area. So And you're moving into the um, more around conversational. So just, just unpack it. Give us the inside scoop on what's happening. Yeah, so I think, as you said, right, it's been a few years and, and there's been a lot of hype, you know, um, rightly or wrongly. And, and and it's one of those things where we kind of are evolving our thinking as well when it comes to the platform itself. Um, uh, the way we see bots is not just, you know, a, a FAQ generator somewhere or um, just something that just, you know, helps you uh, look at your calendar and answer something. But it's, it's sort of beyond that. It's about how can you really make a person in a work context more productive? How can you give a much more personalized experience in a more consumer sense? And and I think that's sort of the North Star, if you will. It's about that whole experience around around a, a user that we want to augment and help them kind of, you know, on, on their daily tasks and, and, and whatever they want to achieve. So as part of that, uh, you know, evolving the framework meant we had to think about, you know, redesigning some of the elements of our core tooling and core SDKs and libraries and so forth. So 
you saw that as part of the Microsoft Ignite launch in September earlier this year. Um, and, and, and as part of my role and, and my team, we work really closely with the product engineering to make sure that whatever's going out there um, is, is, you know, first of all, rock solid, but also is taking in all the contributions from the community because it's an open source platform that we've got. So we need to make sure that we're adhering to all the open source laws and, you know, regulation as well. So we try our best um, and, and the conversations online. So if you go and look it up, uh, you know, Bot Builder SDK, it's out there. Um, comment, have a look at it and, and you know, file issues and bugs and our team is super responsive on that stuff as well uh, but I think beyond that I like to think of you know the whole conversational AI stack as not just you know building a bot but it's sort of beyond that it's a process change it's the way you ship software um, in a very simplistic sense you can think of bots as your new UI um, think of them as new front ends, right? Um, so they're not uh, this magical, you know, magic box that just, you know, fixes all your database problems, right? Um, it's even beyond that. It's about how can you just serve your customers in a different way. Um, if it's you another think, interface, right? It's another, mm, you know, you've got to think yeah. about it like that. It's not, but I guess an, another way of thinking, um, interacting, like you say, bringing that, but also speech is, I guess that's coming in. There's yeah. another shift in, in change in way. We don't just, you know, we're not just interacting with things on a page. We're now able to speak to these things, and that brings, I guess, it brings its own, um, you know, complications to the to yeah. the whole thing as well, and also a different way of, of thinking about it because you can't just code this thing up like you would a would a website, right? Exactly, and I think that's the whole point as well, where we are evolving with devices and the way we interact with computers because you've got devices like HoloLenses that don't have a traditional mouse and keyboard. Um, you're, you've got these smart speakers everywhere, so how do you interact with them if you don't have a mouse and keyboard? So we have to start thinking about it, and I think that's where we're kind of making our investments as well to make our platform you know, more available, uh, be where the people are. Um, if you look at it, I think a classic example that I like to talk about is WeChat, right? Um, I was reading a stat a year ago, and, and they you know, facilitate $10 billion worth of business on their chat application. Like, wow. how crazy is that? Um, so if you think about the, the amount of you know, interaction people are getting and the amount of you know, intuitiveness these apps provide, why can't we be there with them and you know, add them to a chat and book a movie ticket for all of us you know, mm. without having to think twice about it? And each of us have our own accounts, we pay for it and we go home. Um, or you watch the movie and go home, right? So that's the whole experience I think that, that's evolving. Because it's really come into its own as a payment platform as well, almost right. in, in China as well. Because it's yeah, kind of yeah. crazy how the, the, I was listening to somebody saying that if you're going there, then that's, you kind of need to have um, the ability to, to use it as a payment method. Because some people, you know, they, was, they were saying they were tricking up um, some remote place in China and there's somebody there selling souvenirs and they only accepted um, payments over yeah. WeChat and stuff like that. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I think on payments, that's a fantastic example because a lot of countries, like, I mean, even the continent Africa itself, a lot of countries over there and, and a lot of the other developing countries are now, you know, they treat your phone number as your identity. So wow. if your phone number identity, then why don't you attach your payment to it? And that's where mobile banking comes into play as well. That's where your, you know, everything comes into play when it comes to your financial life. Mm. Um, so if you can use your phone number and do everything that's required to, you know, sustain, I think that's where the kind of the, the whole experience and it's, it's, it's friction free. You've got a device, you know, a lot of people have smartphone devices. It's not everywhere, but a lot of people are getting them just because of the price that's going down as well. And that's why, you know, I've worked with multiple banks across, say, Australia and Singapore and India and New Zealand. And one thing that we're seeing is they all want their own personal assistant. 
And, and the reason for that is it's so much easier just to get a text message by your assistant saying, hey, do you want to approve this payment that's due by, you know, Vodafone, for example. Or, you know, within that whole secured context, you can have a bot inside a, you know, an app that, that's fully authenticated, uses your biometric and, and gives that secure experience. But also a couple of sentences will get you the outcome that you're looking for as well. Can we talk about the developer experience a bit? with bots because you know Matt, Matt and I we've been working on a bot and hmm. I've noticed as a developer of the bot <clears throat> the interesting thing about that is how iterative that process is how quickly you can ship features yeah. uh, you know there's there's no downtime you you basically ship this version of the bot you know people keep on chatting due to the, the functional nature of that work I mean what what's your experience been like with that Matt? It's been really great actually We've, we've, um, I mean, yeah, our kind of side project has, has been interesting. Um, just the ability to, to really get another, uh, con, some more contextual, uh, nature from the conversation yeah. and really, um, yeah, just, uh, the data gathering aspect of it as well just looking fractions and, yeah. and how people and just seeing what people are actually talking to it I think that gives you another another lens you know we didn't really anticipate how people were going to interact mm-hmm. but then that gives you a whole other way of thinking and yeah it's, it's difficult to to kind of model it until you until you understand how, how they're going to interact because I guess you never know what um, I guess you've got it in your eye about what you're building but until you actually give it out to mm-hmm. other people you don't know what they're going to do yeah and I think I see that very often like uh, one of my colleagues this morning was you know filling the visa form and I would hate to enter that visa form to through voice or through a chatbot. It just doesn't make sense. Mm. 50 feels to enter, like, who's got the time to, you know, go back and forth with a bot? Unless maybe you're at home, you're cooking dinner. Maybe that's when it makes sense. But is it able to, you know, extract my information through my Alexa identity? That'll be even cooler. So I'm just entering the fields that really, really matter, that that are specific to that specific use case, and it's extracting from other elements as well uh, based on my consent. Um, and I think, uh, as you said, right, with the whole developer experience, and I think that's been sort of the core of our platform as well. So mm. um, right from building a bot, you'll use the Bot Builder SDK, for example, which is open source. Um, right now it's available in, say, .NET and JavaScript, and the team's working really hard to get the Python and the um, um, the Java SDKs out as well. Really? Wow. And, and that's the investment that we're making. And then if you think about, you know, some of the other things is that libraries, right? So we're, we started off with V3, and, and now when we are in V4, we think about that whole, you know, um, that, that, that classic example of what does an SDK mean? We want people to build their own patterns on top of SDKs. So mm-hmm. we've got an, you know, an implementation of, say, a dialogue system, but you'll have your own way of you know, um, defining those dialogues. And we've tried to make it more flexible as well, where you can plug in and plug out your middleware components, and you can do things like detecting language on the fly, you know, detecting sentiment on the fly, so you can you know, get your agent to jump in whenever required. So all these things, I think, are now core part of the design, which are making it super useful uh, for developers to quickly get started, but then also maintain it in the long run um, if they've got multiple bots in the organization. Wow, that's hmm. fascinating. I've always found that localization thing really amazing as well. Because, I mean, the, the, the ability to translate on the fly means that potentially you can have an interaction that's a lot more personal to you right. uh, without having to, you know, because, I mean, localization is hard. So, you know, uh, you know, it's difficult to do. And mm-hmm. But to be able to then open that up 
um, you know, a specific channel uh, and have the ability to, to translate into, you know, 50 plus languages um, right. without having to do, you know, we don't have to maybe do too much to the website. You could actually just open a channel and have an interaction with them in a, in a more natural way. That's, that's, that's a real kind of eye-opener for me as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think in, in my role, like I work with, you know, for example, in the last six months, I've worked with more sort of Japanese and Korean customers than I have, you know, English speaking ones. So um, you, you just try to understand what, what their goals are, right? They're not, they're looking for localized, you know, full support. But at the same time, they don't want to, you know, um, send away tourists that are visiting the country. Yeah. A classic example is JTB, um, you know, Navitime, one of the uh, sort of, you know, travel uh, websites um, are in, in Asia. Uh, and, and they have a bot, uh, which was, you know, primarily built and done in, in say, uh, Japanese, but they also want, you know, English speaking customers as well, because it's, it's, it is a very, you know, English centric bot. So uh, what they did was they built their logic in, in, in Japanese, and then they sort of started building their, you know, the rest of the natural language logic in, in English. But instead of maintaining two different, you know, models, they sort of have this translation layer that helps them, you know, code in one language, and then use the other sort of languages just as translation. And you can detect that when the customer is saying, hey, uh, can you help me with something? And I'm clearly saying it in English. Um, so you, use, you make an API call, you get the language detected, and then you just process the logic. And on the way out, you translate back to whatever language user was speaking. So that's the sort of powerful aspect of that whole, I think, model. And that really goes back to your comment around the, the, the low friction aspect of it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, if, you know, tourism is massive in New Zealand, so that's a really right. big plus. So, you know, like you say, people coming over, mm -hmm. you know, potentially they could jump on one of the, you know, the, and the great thing about the, the bot service in that respect is we have all these different channels. Essentially, you're writing an API, but you can plug it into all these channels. And then that's, you know, it's, they don't need to download an app. Mm -hmm. Potentially, they could just visit your, you know, that you could embed it into a site. You know, that, that it's really, like you say, it's a really low friction way of doing it because it's potentially some visiting doing a one-off trip to New Zealand doesn't might not down, want to download an app or you know have that thing that's so right. just that ability to do it I think that's really speaks to how valuable it can be as a platform yeah and I think the yeah, app fatigue is definitely one of them as well right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like how many will you download yeah. um, and and it's just the whole experience is not that impressive either so but if you think about um, bots as well right so it's it's not just about in a chat context right? it could mm. be in email context it could be in a in a text message context but I've also seen some really interesting you know um, concepts uh, that that you know customers are actively working on uh, on bringing that to their website. So you go to a website and the only thing you see is a search bar, and you say maybe if it's a travel site, maybe if it's a, you know booking cinemas, you have just that one box. You type in what you want, you detect what the customer is trying to get to, and you pre-populate all the fields that come after. And all you have to do is maybe if you're going to watch a movie, you're just paying for it in the end. That's it because you've said everything in one sentence. And that's just a really powerful experience because if I'm watching a movie, I know exactly what movie I'm looking to watch. <laughs> and I usually also know what cinema I want to watch it. I'm just looking for show times, right? Or I'll say, maybe I want to watch it in the evening, so it'll only show me those evening slots. So I think those elements, uh, when they tie together really well, is, is, is super powerful as an experience for a user. Okay. but. Uh, so we're seeing a lot more maturity in that aspect. Like we're doing more interactions, more maturity. You know, we've we've seen the FAQ stuff, and I think maybe you know there's there's a bit of stigmatism around it because I mean we we had the Q and A maker. It was super easy, and you could literally get something going. We were doing them right. for you know customers were building them like for demos just to, to before a meeting to go and meet a customer. You know, it was kind yeah. of kind of crazy, but you know it was 
maybe people didn't realise what they could achieve with with a, you know their own custom ver- or ta- going a bit deeper into it. So we're now seeing payments, you know. So it's becoming more and more of a, a larger platform. So we need to think about things like security and those kind of things. So uh, like. What, what do I need to pick up there? What do I need to know about um, how to handle security and, and what does that mean for me? Right. I, th- I think, yes, yeah, so security, privacy, you know, um, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with um, the way they interact with the system, and it's much more natural. So I think security and privacy sort of becomes even more important to make sure that you're not, you know, um, training your machine learning model, your natural language processing model with PII, uh, because that's just not GDPR compliant from day one, right? So how do you, th- you know, make those design decisions in, you know, from, from day one? Um, you don't want to be training on someone's account number details. You want them to train it on maybe a pattern in that sentence, right? So it, 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 there are multiple aspects. One is your core business logic, right, that you'll build just like any other system. The other part is understanding what a human's saying, right, what, what the user is typing in. And that's that whole natural language processing aspect of it. It's not the most important aspect, but it is a very, you know, important aspect because it helps you give a much richer user experience and in that case you want to think about designing your bots in a way that that you know helps you again be a bit more compliant towards you know what kind of PII information you're storing how are you training how are you designing and how are you building that pattern around that natural language model um, and and some of the things that we've done on our side is made sure that all of our cognitive services which kind of you know power the natural language processing models and so forth are GDPR compliant um, and and we're actively working on a bunch of other compliance certificates as well and again you can look it up online pretty easily but I guess the the key thing there is if you're not designing it well um, the data is owned by you so it, it comes down to you because if a user wants to delete all that information you want that capability available for the users as well mm, and I think same goes for like you know um, speech and vision is super super important like how do you make sure you take capturing someone's photo but also you know securing it as well yeah. um, and I think so that's sort of the sort of general general level right but if we go into specifics um, think about security what's the first thing you you implement authentication right and and that's again part of the platform you can enable it in a few clicks I think dance had a bit of a play with that as well yeah, that, that is really seamless, you know, just being able to choose a drop down of all sorts of different OAuth providers. I'm working with Spotify, but you know, everyone's in there, even Uber, like, yeah, you know, just uh, great OAuth providers you wouldn't expect to be there and just, yeah, with a client ID and a, and a client secret, you're up and running with full OAuth capabilities in the bot. So no, as I said to you earlier, that was you know, an hour's work yeah, just yeah. to get that up and running, which is awesome. But so I could pick AAD then if I was yes, doing, and maybe it was serving up. Maybe I wanted to do an internal app. Maybe I wanted to start start with a, you know, test my idea with my internal users. I could pick AAD as my mm-hmm. auth provider and then start providing you know an internal app for you know mm-hmm. people to do um, authenticate you know secure comms back to yeah. home base, but do yeah. it from a from a mobile yeah. platform. So as well. bring bring your own auth provider. Wow. That's that's basically cool. it. Um, there is full support for it. Um, we actually worked on a pretty interesting use case. I can't talk about it. I think the customer is supposed to go live end of the month. Uh, but the the idea was how do you authenticate within the chat context using the customer's existing um, identity, which they have, you know, of their own, a financial organization. And 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 if you use that credentials, um, you want to do secure payments. You want to do secure transactions. You know, so how does that all fit together? And wow. and I guess the the real essence comes down to you know um, how does 
you know, internet banking work today. Yeah. <laughs> you're using your same cookies concepts. You're using, you know, all those practices that have been relevant for so many years. So nothing changes when it comes to a bot as well. Um, maybe you'll replace that with a secured container and that secure container could be your mobile app or it could be, you know, using someone else's platform. But I think even in that sense, a lot of people get confused around some of the things that, that these chat platforms provide. Um, the classic example is Facebook Messenger, which is which does not support encrypted chat uh, with, with bots today, right? Wow. So you have to be a bit more careful around and do the research as well uh, before you kind of, you know, go out there. You can build your own custom container and that's the most, you know, uh, powerful in terms of you have full control over it. Uh, but when you start going into these chat applications, you have to think twice on how you're distributing them, who's your target audience, you know, and, and, and what's the kind of information it's learning from it as well. Again, like design up front or l looking at those kind of aspects of security up front because that's not yeah. a problem you want to find yeah. out. And know, I think it ties back road. to the theme that we were talking about initially as well where this is a front end. Um, so mm. let's let's start with that mindset. Design the experience before we design the you know write the code. Mm. Um, so you know there are so many um, uh, bot mocking you know um, uh, websites already out there. So spend some some time on it. Spend a couple of you know sprints on it, thinking about how do you design it. How do you uh, put it on the whiteboard? As simple as that. You know get a few people you know just clicking through it and understand how that all works. And, and rich cards and buttons and stuff really improve that user experience as well, I think. Yeah, for sure. We've definitely found that where, mm. you know, you're presenting or using some uh, intelligence to say, you know, yeah, I think you wanted this, you know, not just saying, you know, I don't know or yeah. something like that. I think you needed this, you know, give you a couple of options and, and just the ability to click on it. Because, uh, again, when you kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a millennial, so I'm not that quick, <laughs> quick you know, my tick, my tick's fingers aren't, aren't that quick. So, you know, I'm not, I don't well, no, develop even... that, uh, that cognitive uh, capacity from a from a small child so, uh, you know, so i'm not the quickest typer on my phone so uh you know but the, the, so there's like you say but again it's around that interaction how how people are wanting to interact with it and whether it makes sense to do it or not yeah i mean even as a millennial you wouldn't want to be typing like you know you don't want to tap your screen 20 times <laughs> yeah. to get the same outcome so yeah. if i'm using a pizza app i'm going through a category then a subcategory then choosing my meat options I'd much rather just click a couple of buttons or have the bot remember my, you know, you know, ideal pizza combination and then just order it every time on the fly without having to, you know, put in much effort. So those user experiences are very, very important. And, and I think, yeah, that's what it comes down to. It's a combination of, you know, designing well, um, having a good user experience and then having natural language to support it all. Um, and in the end, um, keeping enough state so the user gets the best experience as well. So those are sort of the four large categories that I usually like to bucket my, my thinking into when designing a bot. Cool. All right. Well, Vashesh, again, thank you very much for spending this time uh, with us and really interesting to hear about that. I really enjoy, enjoyed that talk. Yeah, I awesome. think we could do another two <laughs> <laughs> based on a couple of things that you've mentioned there. So maybe we should get you back at some time. But. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again, mate. Yeah, Come back and see us. Yeah. And uh, hi, Dada. Have a, have a great um, time on your journey. And, and we wish you all the best of luck. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Today's episode of Azure Lunch was sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you're building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks. And you can find them online at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub.